0: Those of you who know a little bit about the history of the Church of the Holy Trinity know that we are sitting in the third church, the third building, by the name of the Church of the Holy Trinity in New York City. The very first parish was founded in 1864 down at 42nd Street and Madison Avenue where the air rights now are going for hundreds of millions of dollars, but never mind. (laughs) The parish grew and so they built another building on the same spot in 1873. A huge building that reports uh, say could seat 2,300 congregants. It was an enormous place. Because its tile and brick patterns were so colorful and busy, um, one critic called it the Church of the Holy Oil Cloth. (laughs) Over time, leadership changed and demographics shifted. The parish declined in numbers. And so the leadership of the parish began to think they should move north a few blocks, and that would make everything better. But the churches in that area felt like they already had that area covered. And so in talking with the Diocese of New York, Holy Trinity realized that if they were to move at all, they'd have to move a good bit north. And so they began to talk with St. James Church, St. James Madison Avenue, And in conversations with St. James, a plan eventually developed whereby Holy Trinity could sell its property in Midtown. Uh, The money would go to St. James and retire their debt. And then in the near future, St. James would establish a mission with a church over here in Yorkville. That coincided with Serene, uh, Serena Rhinelander's uh, desire to memorialize members of her family with an infusion of, of additional money and property, and voila! The Church of the Holy Trinity, and its third incarnation, was built right here. Um, St. Christopher's Mission House, the first building in 1897, and then the church came later, 1899. I'm reminded of our three churches as I think about today's gospel with the discussion of the temple or the temples. In some ways, there are three temples. Of course, the the temple Jesus was standing in was was known as the second temple, but it was really the third. There was the first Jewish temple, and then the people of Israel were sent into into exile. They came back, built another temple. It was rebuilt by Herod. And so the one that Jesus is walking through and preaching through and overturning tables in is the second-slash-third temple. It can all be sort of confusing. It gets even more confusing when we look at today's gospel and Jesus speaks about various temples. I think he's talking about at least three different temples. There's the first temple, the the physical temple, the building itself, the one that was standing there in Jerusalem, the centerpiece of Jewish religion and culture, what N.T. Wright, the theologian and bishop, has called the heartbeat of Jerusalem. It was where everybody went to find out the latest, to worship God, to pay homage, to make pilgrimage. It was a place where people felt like the veil was thin between earth and heaven. It was a a magical, mystical place, a place of pilgrimage and procession, of, of incense and intrigue. It's this place that Jesus goes directly to and causes a disruption. The Gospel of John places the cleansing of the temple early in the Gospel, setting the tone for all that will follow. Of course, we'll think of it more as one of the things Jesus does during the last days of his life as he goes to Jerusalem. The writer of John has a different perspective. He wants us to understand Jesus' mission from the get-go. John has the disciples recall Jesus' prophecy when Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. When Jesus says such things, he's, he's talking in riddles in some ways. He's talking about that physical building, yes, and all that it stands for. But he's also talking about his body, a temple. That's the second temple. Jesus speaks of his body. He speaks of himself because it's in Jesus that God meets humanity. It's in Jesus that God is most fully known and loved and worshipped. Through Jesus that God makes possible sacrifice and intercession and forgiveness and, and life eternal St. Paul extends this image to include us as well. When he writes to the church in Corinth, he, he asks them, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And so if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that one. For God's temple is holy and that temple you are. Jesus is, of course, the prototype for this new understanding of temple. His cleansing of the temple, the physical action of overturning the tables of the money changers and trying to restore a kind of purity and sanctity to the physical temple, foreshadows what Jesus does on the cross with other temples. Through the cross and resurrection, Jesus is restoring and purifying and making holy The temple that is his body and ours. Our body, like his, falls and dies, but then is raised up again. So there's that first temple, the temple made of stone. Uh, There's another temple, a, a temple of the body. But I think there's a third temple as well in today's gospel and in our lives, and it's a a temple of the imagination. It's a symbolic temple, but it's just as strong, if not stronger, than the other two. Way back, even before the actual temple was ever built by King Solomon, there was a dream and a desire for a temple to to be able to locate God, to put God in a particular place, a place that would be special to God and special to God's people, a, a place set aside and made not only holy, but especially holy. And so after years of waiting and praying, God allows Solomon to build Years later, when the people of Israel are, are sent off into Babylon, they remember their temple it 's a stronger image than ever, and they weep over it and they sing about it. They remember the songs that were sung, the worship they had, the glory that was that temple, and that image sustains them through the wilderness. it becomes an enormous inspiration and encouragement. When they return, that's one of the first things they do is rebuild the temple. And so by the time of Jesus, the temple is this this center of of all the devotion and the images and the hope. But it's also become the center of a well-developed system of power and money and status and commerce. The temple has become many things for many people. For some, it's the source of income. Certainly the taxes sustained a lot of people. For some, to be associated with the temple meant prestige and protection. For the Romans, the temple worked as the perfect thing to pacify the people to a certain extent, to, to entertain them, to keep them busy with their gods, whoever their gods might be. Rome didn't care. Just keep them busy doing their little prayers keep them at worship and out of trouble. And so as long as people don't look beyond the incense, as long as they don't sort of peer behind the temple veil, they'll be blind to this vast system of injustice and corruption. To the majority of the people, those faithful and unfaithful who simply try to get through life, the the temple probably represented a kind of mystery, a, a place where prayers and sacrifices could be offered, this third temple, the temple of the imagination, has grown into being a part of that other. It's, it's more than a physical place. It's, it's part symbol and part magic. For others, though, it replaces God altogether. This imagined temple becomes the way of God instead of the way to God. Which brings us to think about our own place in today's gospel. The gospel points to many different directions, really. It could easily serve as a faithful and fruitful gospel for all of Lent. Um, The cleansing of the temple points us to the death and resurrection of Jesus, to those events we will retell and remember in Holy Week. The gospel sent against the backdrop of other readings points us to the complicated relationship between law and grace, between what God expects of us and how we live our lives. The gospel raises huge issues for faithful action in the face of a repressive or oppressive system. When is it okay, when is it the faithful response to disrupt, to object, But for me, this day, the gospel, I think, especially invites me to think about the various temples in my life and to invite you to think about the temples in yours. Are there things that have become for us like temples, things that get in the way of any other real place of meeting God? Are there temples of our own making? that Jesus wants to cleanse or knock down altogether? Are there particular thoughts or opinions or ideas, perhaps about God or other people, that the Spirit wants to overturn and run far away from the church today? Have we perhaps inherited visions of temples from others and made them our, our, our own without really thinking or praying about what the temple might be for us. Are there particular habits or attitudes that Christ is done with and ready to part with and invite us to let go of? Are there perhaps things, pretty things, nice things, comfortable things, beautiful things that we've worked hard for, but we make them mine, 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 <laughs> things that God might want us to loosen our grip to, to overturn and let fall away. As the people of God gathered in this place, this this third incarnation of the Church of the Holy Trinity, We can always be grateful for the first two, for the faith and all that brought us to this place. We can be faithful for all that has gone into and goes into keeping this beautiful place going. But let us also be mindful to the Holy Spirit, to those things, those those places where the Spirit calls us to cleanse, to renew, to tear down, to let die, so that there can be new life. As we follow our Lord and friend Jesus, who died and rose again, let us always look and listen for the way forward. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.